I see a dramatic lack sometimes, oftentimes, in self-awareness in adults and executive leaders that are very successful in many aspects, but I can't fix what I don't know. And there's there's a humility that comes with that, right? I might know this is a an area of development. It's a challenge for me. It's it's an opportunity. But if I don't have the humility to to listen to that feedback, to to mm-hmm. seek the feedback to begin with, right? And build the relationships to connect and and get that honest feedback. And then translate that into my behavior changes. How do I practice that on a daily basis? And how do I show up? I think is is really at the root of engaging employees. We talk about quiet quitting. We talk about all of these things. The general cause of all of those, I believe, is poor leadership. Mm. Leadership has to start with self-awareness. You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast where we shift your WTF moments into WTL moments and learn together how to transform your life and relationships through social-emotional learning. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, social-emotional learning experts and the co-founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. In each episode, we'll explore the five competencies of SEL, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making, and share practical tips, stories, and strategies for building these skills in ourselves and others. Whether you're a parent, educator, or just looking to improve your own social-emotional well-being, this podcast is for you. Join us as we navigate the exciting and sometimes challenging world of SEL and discover the power that emotional intelligence has to transform our lives and communities. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. What's the lesson? What is the lesson? There's (laughs) always a lesson. What is it? I know. We're like, today? The second, this morning, this week, this month, what's this life (laughs) teaching me? Oh my goodness. We're so excited to be together. Mary and I, the last couple of podcasts, we've been across the screen from one another. Across the Zoom screen. (laughs) Um, So we are in person and we're excited um, to continue on with this new series that we're doing called Lessons from Leaders, where we're really taking um, people who've been in the world of corporate and HR and dealing with people for years and years and years and having conversations with them about social emotional learning and how whether or not their employees have learned it or whether or not their employees have not, how those attributes show up in the workplace and how they either help or hinder them. So it's been a really cool transition to our podcast Mm -hmm. with the conversations that we've been able to have and the people we've been able to have these conversations with. Oh my goodness. I And what's cool because the first iteration of our podcast was a lot of our network which is great. And we're finding that we are really connected to cool people. And now what we're asking our community is who's in their community that who you know, who do you know, (laughs) who do you know, like and trust so we can make new friends and connections and learn from new leaders all over. And this connection that's on the other side of the screen from us came to us by way of one of our previous podcast guests. You know her, you love her, Jackie. Um, She said, I have just 
the perfect person. I'm going to send her through. I'm going to make an email connection. <laughs> and lo and behold, here we are on the other end of the screen from a lovely woman that we just got to meet named Lyndall Larkin. You're based out of LA. You have years and years and years worth of HR experience under your belt, and now you do it for yourself. Um, you own your own company, and we will get into all of those specifics. But for one, thank you for accepting a crazy podcast invitation <laughs> from two girls you didn't know. And for two, thank you so much for showing up. Uh, love it. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. No, truly. Thank you. Um, Mary and I, what I've learned from Mary is she does not hold back in making requests from people. And it's very cool because for me as a person, I'm like, oh, I don't want to inconvenience anybody because I don't know him. I won't reach out. But what I'm learning from Mary and it's, it's fulfilled me in so many ways is she just makes the ask and some people say yes which i benefit from and it's also okay if people say no so that's just a little no not to you she calls me a pit bull she <laughs> called like i'm a dog on a bone dog if i get an bone. idea in my head like i'm i'm absolutely gonna see it through whether it works out or it doesn't there's always a lesson either mm -hmm. way right. and it's been really cool just to no holds bar say hey do you want to do this would you mind taking some of your very valuable time and having a conversation with us about your experience. So we're excited to hear from you today because as I just stated, your experience is really vast. You have 20 plus years worth of experience within HR and you, I can't imagine the people you've come across in that time. So will you um, take a second to introduce who you are and just give us a little insight into your um, background? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I love the, the what's the lesson is a concept that I, I talk a lot about with my with my friends, my clients. Um, and so I, I love this this theme and this concept you did back in September. You did a podcast about uh, confidence. And one of the things I loved most about that was where you you actually talked about um, the idea of feeling your feelings mm -hmm. and and being real with that. And that so resonates with so many people of all ages. <laughs> and so when I think of my Amen. background and, and kind of that journey, it has been a journey in incorporating that type of, of confidence into mm. a professional realm. I started out um, in the travel and, and tourism industry. I wanted to be a commercial pilot. I got my private pilot's license. And then I moved oh, in wow. into kind of all sorts of travel and tourism, co-owned and operated a restaurant, worked on cruise ships, and eventually landed in hotels in executive development. And so I worked for Four Seasons and Paramount Hotels and eventually moved into a broader realm of HR um, and, and was head of HR for um, several companies ranging from kind of multinational corporations to early and mid-stage startups. And it was, you know, it's sort of a journey of recognizing how many things we have in common as humans. I think every every business and and many individuals and industries tend to to view the difference, right? And how we're separate and and there's you know you wouldn't understand this industry if you haven't been in it. And mm -hmm. the one thing I love about executive development and about HR is that we get to see those trends and themes and how early they start, right? right. And how many of those those elements of who we are are shaped at a really early age and how do we how do we unprogram some of that and what practices can we develop to to do that and so 
Now I run my own practice. Um, we're focused on leadership development and executive coaching. We're called Larkin Leadership. And really, we work with executives, the C-suite, and their teams to, in essence, design deliberate strategies, systems, and skills to build ready-now leaders. And I think that is more critical than ever. One of the other pieces of my world is that I lead masterminds for women. And that is really around supporting, celebrating, and accelerating their development. And I, I don't think we do that enough as women sometimes. And so it's really exciting to have that be a piece of my world and what I get to spend time on. And then I'm also uh, part of a nonprofit um, called LA's Best that's here in LA. And we serve about 25,000 um, children that are part of the LAUSD. Um, our school district, largest school district. Um, and it, it was really focused on after school enrichment programming for elementary students. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's really fun. I'm on the board of that and I get to interact with, with a lot of children and, and kind of influence and shape that. Um, as I think I shared with both of you, I am, I am child-free. I am, I am happily and intentionally so, but I also, um, you know, as, as, I think we sometimes get pigeonholed into saying, well, if you don't have kids, you must not like kids. And, right. and I love kids case by case sometimes, but really I'm, <laughs> right. some of them are, you know, a little harder to love than others. <laughs> not a blanket statement, but, um, but I will say I'm, I'm also incredibly fortunate to have a group of women in my life that are like sisters and those that have, have children, I get to play auntie too. And that's, that's really fun. And it's, it's an amazing way to be able to contribute and kind of share some of my learnings and figure out like how to, how to make that relevant for, for multiple generations. I mean, so much of what you do, we resonate with oh my gosh, in terms of <laughs> you are wow. in terms of leading women through masterminds and building one another up. We couldn't agree more. That's a hashtag retweet. If we ever heard one, women don't build up other women enough in our eyes and honestly it's because society has told them not to mm -hmm. we've it's been modeled year after year after year in song in movie in tv show and it's something that we've just adhered to as women to put other women down and backstab and be catty and talk behind back so love that also the nonprofit is incredible and there were so many nuggets that you dropped just in that little intro so i'm interested to hear your answer to this next question we want to know two things that you want our audience listening to this show to know once this episode ends what are they walking away knowing yeah absolutely so um and i've thought a lot about this i think the first thing i would say is and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how this relates, I think, at, for a, a child, elementary, middle school, high school, and then also where I've seen that kind of play out as an adult. Um, but the first one is around identifying and clarifying your values and needs. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a really heavy thing for a child in particular. And I'm not saying it needs to be some big formal exercise. You know, for example, Brene Brown has a ton of free material on identifying your values. Yes. Fantastic material oh. for an adult. We I'm not love, suggesting. love, love yeah. using her materials because oh, it's, it's like, why incredible. reinvent the wheel when yep. we can utilize it and make it our own? So 100%. I love that you shared that. 100%. I wouldn't say that's probably relevant for your girls, right? For, right? for a child. But what is relevant is thinking about what someone's needs are and questioning your your daughters, your the women in your the girls in your life, um, to understand what what those needs and values are at an early age. And I'll I'll give you an example. I've 
very good friend of mine is an educator. She also has a 14-year-old daughter. And she recently shared a story with me that um, her daughter was experiencing a, a girlfriend of hers that was really not being a very good friend and being pretty petty and pretty mean. And she coached her daughter through this series of questions of asking about, you know, what, what did she like about this person? What was she seeking in a friend? What did this friendship give her? Was it meeting her needs? And really trying to get very deliberate around identifying what she was getting out of that and if it was useful for her. And her daughter came to this place on her own of saying, yeah, this isn't meeting my needs. I don't think I need to pursue this friendship. I love that. I I think so many times in, especially in in my childhood, we were so, I was so focused on just wanting you to like me. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't digging in and saying, why are you meeting my needs? I think I need a friend. Do I when actually I... like you? <laughs> right. 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 Why Do I, I want to spend my time am I with making... you? Yeah. Why am I making yeah. this so hard when I, I, I actually don't think about you outside of school? Yeah. And, uh-huh. and when I have another, uh, another friend that said, yeah, we're, we're kind of working through that idea that when I tell you I have a crush on someone, I need you to keep that confidential. And if you don't, I think you're not my friend. <laughs> Yeah. Boom. You know, really simple lessons though, early on. Love that. Okay. So that's, that's number one that we will dig into. Yeah. Can I, can I share a little bit about how I think this also plays into adulthood? Oh yeah. Yes. So you're, you're tying it to childhood and adulthood. Love it. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, one of my very first, um, kind of my first very professional role was in a hotel and I was, it was my first kind of management role and I was having to performance manage people and give difficult feedback. And I remember Mm. my boss at the time said, you've got to answer the question. Do you want to be liked or do you want to be respected? Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I'd ever thought about that in the context of, of work, right. And saying, Oh, maybe not everyone's going to be my best friend if I have to discipline them for not showing up for a shift on time, or I have to give them some difficult feedback. And it was a great learning because again, it was, was about tying it to the values and the needs of doing the right thing with Mm. business. Right. And And performing your job expectations or your job responsibilities. Right. And recognizing that might not be the popular thing to do. Mm-hmm. It might not mean that everyone wants to go to happy hour with me. And especially when you're in HR. Nobody wants to go to happy hour called an HR nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> We're not invited to those parties. Yeah. And that's, that you need to make peace with that sometimes. Right, right. Even as an executive, mm. I've seen leaders and, and certainly some of my clients that, you know, move into their first really senior leadership role. And they've been used to being a peer and being mm-hmm. part of that group. And they're saying, but I'm fun and I'm... Right. And are those, is that, is that the value that you want to be demonstrated at work? Is that how you want to be kind of be and and be perceived in your workplace? And again, no wrong or right answer, but being really intentional about that. I've also experienced that where years ago I was working for a company and I'll I'll try to keep it very vague, but there was the, the person that I was reporting to was really not practicing behaviors that I felt were ethical toward the employees. And Mm -hmm. as an HR professional, I need to be, I feel like I need to be aligned with that. I have a really core value around integrity and, and, you know, alignment of of messaging. And, and I think there's, there's oftentimes that, that belief that, well, I can just work harder. I can, Again, almost like on the playground, right? I can make you like me. You can see the value and then you'll listen to the recommendations I'm giving you. You'll, mm-hmm. you know, you'll understand the importance of how you treat people. And it it got to a point where I exited the business. I chose to leave because it was so misaligned with my values. I 
I couldn't see myself being a part yeah. of that. Wow. And it was a great kind of realization of like, yeah, this isn't the popular route, but it ties back to the values and needs. And I, I wish I could say, yeah, in, in elementary school, I was super clear on my values and needs. I absolutely wasn't. Right. <laughs> but I, if I had no. to do it again. Uh, right. You, you might you be. To, if you Hindsight's were to talk, 2020, right? Yeah. And if you were to talk to your younger self, but I'm just seeing the the theme, the overarching theme is if we can teach our children at such a young age, you just gave beautiful examples of how kids experience it as an elementary school student to a tween or a teen, what's coming up for them that can help them stand in who they are and how that, like if we continue to foster that, that that's going to serve them in their professional life. Yeah. And well, I, it builds a foundation. Yeah. I also love the fact that you pointed out that you left. Like <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that they have a choice mm -hmm. in that. It's like, well, I made my bed and I'm going to lie in it. Now this is my job and I'm going to suffer the consequences. Right. And it's like, no, no, you don't have to do that. It's not, you're not a tree. You don't have to stay planted, mm -hmm. you know? So two <laughs> awesome examples. Well, you just hit on something too. I think when you're clear on those values and needs, you recognize you have choices. Mm -hmm. And another example I would say is when I worked in luxury hotels, most luxury hotels have very strict grooming standards. And we, my, my peers and I would go out and speak at, you know, college programs, university programs for hospitality. And one of the messages we would share is that you, you've got to align that with with your sense of self. Everyone wants to work for the number one or number two luxury hotel company, but knowing that if you do, you will very likely need to take out the nose ring, the eyebrow ring, wear nails that look a certain shape and color and have your hair in a very natural, you know, shade, no, no purple hair, probably no, you know, multiple piercings, no visible tattoos a lot of times. And that it's not a right or a wrong answer, but it's, it's recognizing what's most important to you and your value system. And some people I worked with were absolutely great. Let me take out the earrings. I'll put my hair in a ponytail. I'll cover right. the tattoos with band-aids. Good to go. And others went, no, that's, that's a part of me. And I want right. to work somewhere that allows me to, to express that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Then don't target <laughs> the type right. of company that isn't going to, but you've got to be clear on that and really deliver it early on. Or else it's going to be very misaligned. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Or you're going to like you're going to create a story about it that, yes. oh, well, I just don't fit in. I'm not good I'm enough. I'm not good enough. And this it's like, hotel doesn't see oh my, my value. It's like, hey, you're not created to see yes. your value. My boss makes me cover up my tattoo. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, and you're talking to two totally opposite people. She would do her nails and her hair and I would be like, nope, totally misaligned. I'll see you later, you know? Yeah. And we're clear in that now, but that's probably yeah. not something we were clear mm -hmm. on when, I mean, no even way. five years ago, which no. is yeah. the, the scary part, right? Okay, great first. That was a great first one. So I'm excited to hear what your second I one know. is. Ooh, I'm wrong. Um, the pitch. <laughs> my second <laughs> one is um, develop and cultivate a network. Mm. And again, this sounds really adult, and I'll, I'll talk about it very specifically with kids. Um, so I actually was... I don't know if victim, I, I never talk about it, but I, I was on the receiving end of two really kind of traumatic um, bullying experiences, mm -hmm. one in sixth grade and one in my junior year of high school. And, and they very much reshaped how I thought about friends and, and my school experience. And I think 
in particular, the, the elementary experience, um, I was, I was very, it, it relates to the network because I was very fortunate as a child that my parents were, were big travel fans. They got the travel bug early in their marriage and I was the lucky recipient to get to travel with them and international. And, and we did some amazing trips really early on in my life. And part of the benefit of that was that I met friends from all over the world and there was no internet then, right? We're talking about the eighties. So I, I was, yeah, I was, can you, can we, yeah, can you write? Can you take yeah. these pictures of me standing here <laughs> with my, send um, me a postcard? disposable camera? <laughs> I'll have my eyes closed and be devastated when oh, I get the when film, you get the prints film back. back. From I know you had to wait to get <laughs> the film back. Oh, oh my it. goodness. And you had to travel through, um, the airport with your film and a special bag so it didn't get damaged by the, the x-ray train. machine <laughs> kids will never know <laughs> now it's so easy with the phone um and so i and you'd write down the address and hope you got it right and then hope you didn't lose that piece of paper to be able to you know write somebody but i cultivated this network as i would term it now around the world i had girlfriends in the uk that i i pen paled with i had a boy in chicago i had a girlfriend in north carolina and and then within my neighborhood, my community, there were kids that didn't go to my school, that we lived in a very rural area in the Pacific Northwest. And that space gave me the opportunity to have friends that went to other schools. And I was part of leadership camps and different things that I met people from other parts of the country and, and state. And so I think having that broader network, when these bullying experiences happened, my world was not just those two or three friends that mm. treated me so badly. Right. I had a broader perspective on the world that I could say, okay, wow, this really sucks. But you know, on the weekend, I'm having a slumber party with my friend who doesn't even go to this school. And, and I'm mm. still getting some of those, those friendship needs met and realizing that the whole world doesn't revolve around the mean girls. And right. I think that was kind of my saving grace in many ways that I never realized at the time. Um, but it absolutely was. I love that. I you said too. the world is not just the mean girls. And it's like, and when we look up, the world is so much bigger than our circumstances. And it's not always going to be that way. There's so much change and ebbs and flows in everybody's life that just like we see nowadays, if there's celebrity gossip, it's fleeting. It's mm -hmm. 20 minutes that we focus on the bombshell that happened before another bombshell happens. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously not the advice we wanna leave our girls with. It's something that we do say in the midst of their struggles that people will move on and you will be quote unquote forgotten about in terms of what the rumor or gossip or bullying incidents was then we can give them tools to rebound and recover from the incident and know how to move through it the next time it happens, which that happened for you in sixth grade. I'm interested to hear what your high school experience was like. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. I don't think I've ever told this story. Definitely not on a podcast. Huh. Um, so I, I was in it was uh, in my junior year of high school, and I had a group of girlfriends. There were four of us in total, so myself and three others. And there were, we called ourselves the girls, and there were four boys that, they were the boys, and they were platonic friends, but we we did movies, movie nights together, and we went to the football games, and we were very close. And these girls were my everything. Like, we celebrated our 16th birthdays together and got our driver's license and, you know, all of the exciting experiences of, of our teenage years. And there was a point where I had been, I got dumped um, by a boy that I really liked. And I think in hindsight, I had had several 
kind of challenging um, experiences in my personal life. And I think I've always been, I think I had learned early on resilience. And I think I had also learned optimism. And I think maybe I'm just naturally optimistic. And so while I was really sad about this guy, I was, you know, kind of moving through it. Like, yeah, that really sucks. And okay, let's have movie night this week, or let's do this. And, um, and so maybe a week into it, these girls said, oh, let's stay after school. We want to talk. And and I still picture the hallway that we went to and I lined with the lockers and we sat down on the floor and it was after school. So no one else was around. And kind of the ringleader said, you know, we've been talking and, and we've, we've determined that you're not, you don't express your emotions. Um, we don't think, we think you're actually really sad about this guy and you're not showing it. And we're looking for a friend that really shows their feelings and you're not doing it. And so we're going to give you, and the other two were completely silent, but they were complicit, right? They, you know, looking, you know, completely nonverbal, but present there. And uh, I was on one side, all three were on the other. And she said, we're going to give you a week to practice sharing your feelings with us. And we'll come back together in a week and decide if we can still be friends with you. Mm. (laughs) So I would love to say that I, you know, did something really extraordinary and have this amazing, you know, response that I, I would hopefully have now, um, or I would maybe coach somebody to have right. now if there was a child right. in my life that age. I didn't. I um, I spent the next week trying to share, and I didn't quite understand what they meant. So I spent the next week trying to share every feeling I had. Mm-hmm. I remember coming to like biology and saying, Ooh, I'm hungry. I feel really hungry. You know, <laughs> I feel right. tired. Oh, I didn't sleep very much last night. I'm so tired. Oh, I'm full. I ate too much at lunch. I couldn't sleep. You know, I I feel stressed about the test. Yeah, okay, I feel stressed. Yeah, oh, I feel relieved about the class mm-hmm. being over. And so at the end of the week, we came back together in the same place and the little ringleader sat down and said, so uh, we've talked about it. We've watched you this week and it turns out you're not sharing your feelings. So we can't be friends with you anymore. Effective immediately. We're Effective done. Effective immediately. Here's your notice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We're going to pay I just you. wonder where they learned that from. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. wonder. I know. <laughs> well, here's the interesting part. I learned much later and I'll show you how I learned this, but um, I learned much later that um, and something I never put together at the time, the ringleader, uh, there was a boy that liked her that I was good friends with. And it turns out he liked me mm-hmm. and I would have never done anything romantic with him because it was her friend and she had a crush on him, right. but we were definitely social and friendly and, and continued to, to develop a friendship. And I didn't actually realize he had a crush on me until much later. She had also, both of us had auditioned to be cheerleaders and she did not get it. And I did. So years later, the two kind of silent, complicit ones actually called me when I was in college and apologized separately and told me that the kind of ringleader had, had made them do it, that she was, you know, it was jealousy. It was the cheerleading, it was the boy and apologized. And, and then the, the ringleader, um, which sounds like such a terrible title and I, whatever, but um, <laughs> she actually. But that's how me. she showed up yeah, in that I mean, season a, of her life, and I'm sure picture. it is. And I'm sure she yeah. learned a lot through that later on in her life. She ended up calling my mom when I was in my twenties and apologizing. Wow! Oh and sharing a very similar story as the other mm. two had had shared. And so, while that was certainly meaningful at the time, it was five years past me thinking I had some 
you know, issue with how I shared feelings and how I, how I expressed my emotions, which I wasn't very good at anyway. So it really put this like, oh my goodness, I don't, I don't know how, maybe I'm not in touch with my feelings. I thought I was sad about him, but now I really need to be sad. And all the other girls run around. Right. And we had so many girls at school that would break up and they'd go sit in the corner in the lunchroom crying and writing out sad songs and poems. And (laughs) that wasn't me. So and um, one, one thing we really like to point out to our girls is that's probably what people point out is wrong with them is probably their superpower. So I, yeah. Jill and I are both very extroverted. We take up a lot of space. We're loud. We enter a room like, you know how I'm feeling. I don't mince my words. I don't have a great poker face. But not everyone is like me. There are a lot of introverted personalities or people who don't want to share their feelings outwardly and that's okay so for you to battle and go back and forth on whether how you were showing up was right or not is detrimental at that point in time too because you're so impressionable still Mm. just for you to question yourself the next five years in in the waiting obviously you didn't know any of them were going to call and be like so sorry we did that to you however you're right. Five years had passed. Damage was already done. You probably imprinted some permanent damage on your on your brain there. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, it goes back to network because I and funny enough, I was in my yearbook. I was voted most friendly. And I, I like to think that that was because I developed a network outside of just one group of friends. And, you know, I had I had kids that I had gone to school with since kindergarten that we were friendly. We didn't have a ton in common. We weren't playing the same sports or maybe in the same activities, but we still talked. We were still friends. I had friends in different different types of activities and groups and and clubs that I was I was part of that were my friends. So when when this happened, I was very fortunate that I had a group of fellow cheerleaders, which became my new kind of focus area. My network. Yeah. And you know, one of them is still a really good friend to this day. And it it you know, helped me to rebound by having a broader network and mm. by also having people that were outside of the U.S. and outside of my school to recognize and have some perspective as painful as it was. And it was very painful. I, it gave me a broader perspective. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you, I, I see this and you mentioned something around kind of the professional side of that. I see that now. I had a client recently that was looking to leave a job and said, you know, if I leave this, if I get fired or I leave on bad terms, I'll never work in the tech industry again. And, you know, it's sort of that, that same thing of saying, yeah, you will. Like people right. forget this. You're not, yeah. <laughs> there's a handful of people in the world that might get remembered for something they do. And you got to do something pretty egregious other than walk away from your job. Right. So, you know, having that perspective from a network as an adult also allows this resilience and this rebounding not only in a bad situation when you're needing a job, but you're talking about, or you're leaving a job or, you know, wanting to move on to something else, but you're talking about with your business and connecting for podcast guests, for example, and building social networks and all of these different components, that network is invaluable. And I think, I think those lessons transcend between, you know, from elementary onward, as a skill set that that serves hopefully our listeners and, and those that they are supporting. Absolutely. Well, I was just going to say, I think what Mary and I are finding, which is really cool, like we have incredible, we are so lucky to have girlfriends in business who support us and champion us and 
I mean, they really will go to bat for us. And our business is very different than a lot of the work that our girlfriends do, which is great. So what we're having to do now is really go outside of who we know. Our established our network. Es our established network to say like, Man. Hi, we're the new kids. Do you want to be friends with us? Hi. We, you know, we yeah. don't develop women in business. We're developing girls. And we need to know based off of the girls that we work with and the families that we get to work with, just what how integral certain people are in families' lives. And we need to go and build connection that way and expand our network. So it's been really cool even for us to be like, okay, if we're going to grow ourselves and, and, and reach more people, we got to look outside of our, our small circle of women to leverage other people's brains and ideas and, and strengths to, um, to make us better and make our business better. Right. And that those two are definitely connected. If we want to grow our business, we're going to end up growing ourselves. And that includes having to grow our network which is one of my favorite sayings, your net worth is your network. Okay, and it's it's something that I didn't really understand that saying as a kid, like it, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's a component. You have to be able to know things to get in the room. But in order to get in the room, a lot of the times it is a connection that you've made that, you, that you've previously left an impact on. And I think of that every time I have an interaction with somebody, I want to leave them remembering me in the best way possible because it's so easy to remember people in the worst way. What they said that ticked you off or the disagreement disagreement that you had and it's like i always aim to leave people jill always aims to leave people better than we found them and i i want that to be a lasting impression because i was reading will smith's book a few months ago and it was something his grandmother said on his way to his first tour when he was big willie style and he was just <laughs> hitting the charts she said now careful sonny like, be careful how you treat everybody on the way up because you never know who you're going to pass again on the way down. And it that just resonated so greatly with me in terms of how I think of building network because I lean, we lean on our community so much and you should because they have answers that you don't have and you want to make sure you're not burning any bridges because you never know when that person is going to come back around into your life. True. So true. You, you also hit on something that I think um, around network is thinking about, you know, as an adult, what kids can be part of your network? How can you help? Oh. I think of not only teachers, but people in my community, um, my older cousins that took an interest and took time to support me in different ways as a mm. child. And I have a very good friend of mine who said, you know, my goal is for your number to be in my kid's phone. Because I want them to know that they've got someone to call when they need advice, they need help, and it's not their mom or their dad. And, right. you know, can you try to get your number in their phone? Like offer to send them a picture, do something that, you know, you, so they know that they can text you, you know, yeah. call you when they need help. And so I would, you know, I would also say that that's a way that we as adults can contribute to network to think about who, who's in our life that could, you know, what can we do to serve them? I think we tend to think sometimes of, you know, the network and, and what is it going to give to me? And I love your example mm -hmm. of, of saying we want to leave the room better than <laughs> leave the relationship, leave the person better than when we found it. Like, how can I be of service? How can I help? And it might oh. be 
getting your number in that in that kid's phone, right? And saying, right. yeah, I'm the person when you're getting getting trouble and well, bullied at school. Call you me. Yeah. Call me. Call me. Yeah. Well, and I mean, all of us on this call can remember your favorite teacher, your favorite yes. adult. As as a young child, mm-hmm. you can remember those impressionable impressionable adults. And and I'm sure it wasn't probably what they specifically taught you. It's how they made you feel. And that's all we want more adults to wake up to is that whether you have kids or not, that's our responsibility. And kids are looking. I mean, my my boys specifically look to athletes all the time to get their masculinity or their Their idea, their their haircuts, their style, like Uh how they should show up. And it also scares me because I'm like, hi, you know that that's not appropriate. That behavior right there, the way that he's acting is not, that's not going to be respected in your classroom with your friends or when you get older. So, you know, but I need more people besides me and my husband to teach them right from wrong. So it's like Mary and I wanting to go past girls to say parents, adults, you know, people who are in the workforce, we need to call on you to develop these skills, to have that self-awareness enough to know that you can make a massive impact on those around you. And one thing that I love to point out to our girls um, in workshops and camps is like, I don't want you to, I want you to fulfill your own needs, be self-aware enough to know what you need. And I don't want you to raise your hand to ask me if you need to go to the bathroom. If you need to do that, please just do that. Fulfill that need for yourself. Know that that's something that you need to do without asking permission because when you turn 18, people don't expect you to do that anymore. So I want to prepare you to do that. (laughs) And it's like this switch that happens, right? A a kid turns 18 and all of a sudden they're an adult, quote unquote. Um, and we we have different expectations for them, right? We expect them to show up to work on time and be positive contributing members of society, but we don't do a good job of showing them or teaching them how to do that mm-hmm. pre-18. From yeah. 17 under, it's like, oh, you're so cute. You're this, you're that. Blah, blah, blah. You have all the passes in the world. As soon as we turn 18, it's like, show up. You're an adult now. Have integrity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's all these things. And we're mad that especially nowadays, we're mad that kids aren't showing up the way we want them to. You know, we can't look them in the eye. They are um, on their phones too much. Nobody wants to work. And it's like, well, whose fault is that? And we don't want to look ourselves in the mirror and say, we have a responsibility to teach our kids how to do that, not just expect them to know how. Yeah, so true. And yes, how do we accelerate that? So they're not 30 or 40 when they, when they finally, when they yes, figure it out, they finally figure it out. But, oh, God. Yeah. How do you, how do you accelerate that period mm-hmm. um, earlier? And I'm just curious based off of your professional experience, what have you seen in the work that you've done over these years that if you have an exact come and work with you, like what skills are lacking that you're like, oh man, if they just work on this, I don't know if there's one mm-hmm. person in exa- or for example, or maybe it, it was an organization that was lacking something that they were like, we want this culture to be united and how do we do that? 
And it could be through the, the couple of points that you gave us um, or how people need to practice on themselves and be committed to it in order to see the change. I'm just curious if you have an example that you can share with us. How long do we have? Um, <laughs> I got a list. question. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think the work that I do is really rooted in intention and being deliberate in the choices, in our behaviors, in what we do and don't do and how we show up in our personal and our professional lives. And, and my goal is, is to help leaders be, be intentional about that. That has to start with self-awareness. And I see a dramatic lack sometimes, oftentimes, in self-awareness in adults and executive leaders that are very successful in many aspects but I can't fix what I don't know. And there's, there's a humility that comes with that, right? I might know this is a, an area of development. It's a challenge for me. It's, it's an opportunity. But if I don't have the humility to, to listen to that feedback, to, to mm -hmm. seek the feedback to begin with, right? And build the relationships to connect and, and get that honest feedback and then translate that into my behavior changes. How do I practice that on a daily basis? And how do I show up? I think is is really at the root of engaging employees. We talk about quiet quitting. We talk about all of these things. The general cause of all of those, I believe, is poor leadership. Mm. Leadership has to start with self-awareness and being really deliberate. And and I I do think, and we talk a lot about this in the women's mastermind groups that I'm I work with around the different styles of, and I wouldn't even say it's it's male and female, it's the feminine and masculine energy. And the leaders that I see most effective employ both elements of that. It's not about saying, ah, women are better CEOs than men. Men are better, you know, we, we like to do that, right? Um, and come up with the labels and, and the, the strong opinions around that. I think, I think where we can employ aspects of the feminine energy that have typically not been rewarded or sought in executive roles um, is really powerful. And one of those ties back to your confidence podcast that I talked about where um, we're talking about being vulnerable, acknowledging feelings, right? We saw that during the pandemic where the most effective leaders that had the most engaged teams were those that were saying, hey, here's what I don't know. They weren't saying, okay, so this is going to be over 30 days and here's what we're going to do. And I'm certain of it, <laughs> yeah. right? And then they were right. coming back going, and they were sorry, really never mind, wrong. backing up, backing up, right? And to be able to say, gosh, I don't know. That's This is a hard situation. I sure hope we don't have, we'd like to not lay off anyone. I can't guarantee you that's not going to happen, yeah. mm. right? And, you know, let me, let me make my commitment to you. I will share with you everything I know mm. when I can and as soon as I can. And you have my commitment that I will be honest in that and whatever that might have looked like. But those were the leaders that were, that, that retained their talent, that had loyalty and connectivity, that don't have quiet quitters that are saying, oh, I'm giving, you know, 60%. That is a direct result of, of the ineffective leader. Mm -hmm. So that was a really long answer, but I, I think it goes back to that self-awareness at the core and building on that with really intentional, you know, <laughs> vulnerability and humility and, and being open and willing to grow. It's also the growth mindset. Right. right. Yeah. right? Well, and it's we, knowing what you need. It's, it's, it's yeah. exactly that first point. If you don't know what you need, you don't know how to ask for it. Or fix yeah. it. Or fix it. We yeah. didn't pay her to say that either. Um, I just, I want to point that out because we, we have built our business on the foundation of self-awareness being the most important thing that Love you can it. have for yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is foundational to our business. It is foundational in every conversation we have with girls, with families, with educators, schools, coaches, 
it, there is not one single thing that we find more important than understanding what's going on in your brain and how you are stopping yourself from being the best version of you. So thanks for just really driving that point home for us. <laughs> you are welcome. Yeah. So we're glad, we're glad you agree. And that's what you're seeing. Um, in terms of the people you've worked with as well. Um, and wrapping up, speaking of the people you work with, we will include all of your information in our show notes because people listening to this, if they're interested in a little executive coaching or being a part of an incredible mastermind, we want them to be able to find you, especially if they resonated with what you're saying. I mean, how could people not? You have so much experience in terms of working with people. so. We're so appreciative of your um, knowledge, your skills, your abilities, and your the wisdom that you dropped on us today. It's it's such a beautiful juxtaposition from where we are to where you are, and how these skills are just the red thread that weaves us all together. Mm, thank you so much, and the work you're doing is so meaningful and so necessary. So it's such an honor to be a part of this. Thank you very much. Ah, uh, of, of course. course. And until next time, you guys, we'll see you on What's the Lesson. Bye, everyone. We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in with us. If you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one of the following ways. By sharing this episode with a friend or tagging us on your social media, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review, or by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Geneva for girls and parents in the show notes. This is a place where we exchange ideas, post questions, and provide support to each other. Until next time, you guys, remember, being able to shift our WTF moments and finding the lesson instead saves us time and mental energy. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship.